Hi, this is Yvette Francino, and we're starting a new season on Carpe Diem Connections. Rebecca Burns has agreed to be my co-host as we talk about finding joy. We're participating in the Joy Makeover, and you can participate yourself. Go to thejoymakeover.com for information. So let's start by digging in and learning more about finding joy. This is Eva Francino, and we are here for season two of Carpe Diem Connections. We're going to do a new format, so we're not having a video this time. And I also consider this my new snowbird season, and I am here with a wonderful, good, and sage friend, Becky Burns, who has agreed to be my co-host for season two, where we're going to really be doing uh, a deep dive into joy and so, Becky, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell our audience who you are, what 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 interests you have. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. I'm a retired educator. Uh, I have a doctorate in linguistics and a long career of classroom teaching, K-12, and university teaching in teacher preparation. Um, I'm very interested in how kids learn in the classroom and what teachers do to make that magic happen. Um, but since retirement, I have had more time to, you know, do self-development projects and I've recommitted to my meditation practice. I'm a devotee of Paramahansa Yogananda. And um, so I have been able to really renew my commitment to spiritual ambitions and uh, the last couple of summers, I wanted very much to get out of South Florida because it's unbearably hot. So I drove my Prius to Colorado, and that's where I met Yvette. And we discovered that we have a complimentary win-win uh, offer for each other. I need to escape the South Florida heat, and Yvette needs to escape the Colorado winter. So we've become housemates in the opposite seasons, and yes. it's fortuitous for both of us. Absolutely, and it was last year that we did it first, and I just happened to be here in Sarasota with Becky when the uh, COVID lockdowns happened, and that turned out to be a really uh, the best place I could be, and I discovered then I already knew it a little bit, but we had some great conversations and discovered the gift that Becky has of really uh, being able to ask very probing questions really helps you think through any kind of issues or problems you're having. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted her to co-host with me. I keep urging her to have her own podcast or become a a life coach or something where she can put those wonderful talents to use and so uh, yes and so we're gonna on season two she helped me brainstorm about what season two could be about but there was a joy workshop or what was it called a joy makeover that there is uh, this wonderful book called joyful by ingrid i don't know how to pronounce her middle name fetal lee i think uh, and she has a great 
Facebook group called Joy Spotters. And I've been following along lots of wonderful worksheets. And when she had this free Joy Makeover that came out recently, I downloaded the workbook and I've been watching the videos and I find them very interesting. And so I thought that that's what season two could be about is that we could be talking about um, the Joy Makeover and really also what is relevant specifically in our lives right now regarding Joy. And today, or this week, we have been in the midst of elections here in the U.S. And I read that 55%, there was a study, and 55% of the people thought that the election day would be the most stressful day of their lives, I think is what the study said, which I was very surprised about that. But again, it was what they thought. I don't know if it actually was the most stressful day. Um, but it is it is causing a lot of anxiety, no doubt about that. And so that is what our topic's going to be about. We as we speak, right? Today is what day is this anyway? November sixth today? Or is it the fourth fifth? I think it's the fifth. It's Thursday evening. Yes. Tuesday was the third, Wednesday the fourth, Thursday the fifth. Here we are. We still don't have an answer. We don't know who our president is going to be and um, and so before we dig into kind of understanding why that's causing so much anxiety for everybody, um, I want to just briefly say that the Joy Makeover comes with a workbook and sort of the pre-work before you watch videos. And there's a lot of videos about different things like joy and money and joy and relationships and all kinds of topics, but this one, the politics is is not in there, but there there are these four questions. The first is an inventory about what parts of your life that you find the most joy, what goals or the goals, what parts of your life would you like to transform for more joy? And then there's joy barriers, what is currently getting in the way of you feeling more joy? And then the final question was, what is your vision? your joy vision, what would happen if those obstacles were removed? What does a more joyful life look and feel like to you? So once again, since uh, right now there's so much anxiety around the election, I, I wanted to talk about that joy barrier. I think I know I'm finding it kind of a barrier is politics. And um, so, you know, when as an agile coach, a lot of times, or even when we're examining our emotions, the first question is why? Why? Why is this zapping joy from me? The, this political climate. Uh, I, I'll ask you first, Becky. What? How are you feeling about this political climate, and uh, why do you think you're feeling the way you are? Well, I think my answer to this question would be different every time you ask me, because I have really experienced a full range. Uh, you know, the first election day itself, I experienced a tremendous, uh, a tremendous negative emotion. I don't know if I can quite describe it, but a feeling of horror in a way, because I think I had held a hope that I wasn't all that conscious of, but I think subconsciously I had a hope that there would be a, a blue landslide because th that's 
the leanings of my personal politics. And so when I saw that there was, you know, as, as, as now we know, our country is fairly evenly divided and that there are as many as 50% of our population that really hold support for President Trump. And, you know, that holds a bunch of implications that stirred anger within me, stirred frustration, stirred a sense of dismay. So I think for really a couple of hours, I stewed in my negativity. But because I am a yogi and because having a lot of negative emotions is really anathema to my practice and my being, I've begun to sort them out over these next few days. And the key question that you say is the one that brings me some relief from the emotions because it pushes me intellectually to say, okay, what is underneath this anger? And ultimately fear is underneath anger. And so what is it that I'm afraid of? What, what is it that makes me fearful of Trump supporters? What is it that makes me fearful of President Trump himself? And trying to answer those questions really does keep my feet on the ground and remind me that I'm still a living, breathing human being, no matter what happens. And I still have responsibilities and I still have resources. And, you know, it's, it's not like um, a pestilence has come upon our nation. You say that you've really kind of accepted it or thought through it. Does that help you then lose the fear or do you, are you still, um, where, what are your feelings now then over these couple of days of recognizing that well, chance I, that Trump, yeah, that's that, that we don't really know the final outcome yet? That's a great question. I've noticed that one is that anybody that's listening would need to know that I monitor my input quite a bit. I don't have a television and I don't watch television. I get all my news in print um, from online newspaper subscriptions and uh, newsletters and, you know, online research. So I'm really careful about what what images and information is going to come my way. But, you know, if I'm driving in my car, out in the community, I'm going to the grocery store, I can, and if I see a, a truck all tricked out in pro-Trump finery, flags and stickers and so forth, I feel a tension. I feel a distaste. I feel a distrust. I feel an animus. And uh, that is not not balanced living you know that's prejudging that's uh you know i'm sure this person and i could get into a volatile argument about any number of things but i don't need to create that argument while i'm sitting driving in my car so one i have sustained a pretty calm attitude because i'm careful about what what triggers i subject myself to but the other point is that I, I still can be triggered, you know, information, you know, I've checked in to monitor the turnout and, you know, I can feel that, that dismay come up, that strong emotion 
but I'm quicker to address it. Uh, you know, there's an expression about, you know, just not giving it a seat at the table. I really challenge myself to uh, not harbor that feeling of dismay because I'm, I'm a pragmatist. I am either going to continue to live in this same community. I live in Florida, which as we know is uh, full of strange political events, uh, unstable, unstable politics, a, a population that is capable of all kinds of strangeness. So I live in a difficult environment, socially speaking. It's not the most progressive or uh, high-minded society to live in. So I either need to move or make up my mind that I can live here and do my best to be a balanced person contributing to society. So I know that sounds lofty, but I really, that's what feels okay to me. So I work, work hard to feel okay all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that that shows that you're able to really monitor your emotions and um, constantly see what's going to trigger you and, and, and do a good evaluation of it. So you, um, are very self-aware in that way. And which is kind of the self, the first step, I think, in any of this is really recognizing our own triggers and why we act the way we do. And it seems I'm having a really hard time of it with this, even though one of the things that I've always prided myself on was uh, being in the middle. I always said I was an extreme middle of the rotor. And I thought that, that, you know, when it came to politics, I really didn't like, I, I felt like I could um, see either side, but I didn't like as the extremes. And so it, it, I also was proud of saying I'm purple, so I'm not blue or red, I'm just purple. And I really liked that feeling of collaboration and that I could see either side. And so this is one of the reasons why this election is so difficult for me, or this whole four years has been very difficult for me because. Uh, I am a Biden supporter in this, even though I'm cent center, and I certainly respect Republicans in general. I grew up with a very Republican family, and so I kind of have that identity feeling of um, defensiveness almost when anybody criticizes Republicans. Uh, that, uh, But since Trump's been in office, I have been leaning left, and... Uh, and my my kids and most of my friends are also liberal. So I do sort of feel like in the middle of almost what's become like a civil war, so it's somewhat. Um, and it's very uncomfortable for me. I really dislike it. And it does feel like when you talk to anybody, you have to like kind of get understand are they a Trump supporter or not a Trump supporter so that you don't say something that's going to be offensive or you know it, it, it's worrisome to talk to anybody and I I don't like that at all I like everybody just being authentic and being able to say who they support and why and and to to work together to find common ground and it just feels like that is so difficult and it's been so difficult in this climate. And uh, I, I know I do 
blame Trump. I, I mean, I feel like he sets a terrible example and that he does this bullying. And so that that's become almost the make it, make it okay to, to, to bully one another or to judge one another for their politics. And, um, and that's a big, big part of what makes social conversation about politics so difficult because as you say, you need some upfront information as to whether or not you're talking with someone who personally supports Trump and, and Trump's difficult behaviors versus a person who will vote for Trump just to maintain a conservative economic agenda, um, preserve conservative social values, et cetera, but doesn't really like Trump. There's no way to sort that out because you probably could have a meaningful conversation with a person who casts a vote for conservatism and holds their nose about Trump. Yes, which I would say the majority of people in my life that are conservative, that are my friends or family, uh, are, are admitting that they are don't like Trump's tweets and thinks a lot of his behaviors are immature, but that they just are voting for him on his policies. And that's a little easier for me to be able to um, handle than someone that is just outwardly, you know, almost putting him up on some pedestal and um, revering him and feels like they're ready to go to war with anybody that, uh, you know, has a different opinion. And so it, it, and I really have become so aware of, as you were saying, you live in Florida, where that's a red state, um, where I live in Colorado, close to Boulder, it is quite liberal. Right. And so it, but, and I know this very well from um, my sister, who's conservative living in California, about how, how you almost, you just feel like you're living in the midst of enemy territory, if your political beliefs are different from those around you, you just feel like you're safe when you're uh, in the same space with others. However, again, other than four years, up until four years ago, I didn't really care at all because again, I was, you know, I could, I can see both sides of the political scale. When and it comes in to policy. Days, I guess you felt like you could speak freely, even though in liberal circles, there was a lot of animus toward Bush. Um, so it would not have gone over well to go to a party in Boulder and talk fondly of Bush. Yeah, that's right. I was, I was more, I was definitely, it, it was definitely Trump that has put me into the liberal camp. But when Bush was in office, I stayed very middle and I was kind of defensive of people when people, um, you know, ridiculed Bush or, or spoke poorly mm -hmm. of him. I did vote for Obama. So I, you know, but again, I, I don't like even, even today, I'm very much, it's not about Republicans. I, it's about Trump and his character that I feel so strongly about. And, um, and yeah, there's still, you know, there are some Republican policies that I agree with over some of the some of the Democrats policies, but, um, but I just can't, I, I, having a leader that you don't respect is just, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think what is really 
driven me to the edge. And but tell, uh, tell me a little bit about the edge, because we're focusing on this, you know, this barrier to joy. Yeah. So is it, you know, is it a python wrapped around you that won't let up or does it come in waves? And how are you handling it? And how can I support you? <laughs> well, I think uh, many of us that uh, uh, wanted or hoping Biden will win, well, actually the whole country, because many Trump supporters are very, very, uh, as probably stressed about uh, Biden winning as we are about Trump winning. So I think until the results are out, you know, we have to just kind of hold tight and try not to um, be rattled. But I think for me, the main thing is whoever wins to just treat everybody with kindness, you know, and not, and get away from this, almost feeling like our political party is a some kind of gang thing, you know, where uh, we are enemies. And I, I think that's, we're gonna, I, I do feel that I will be able to do that because I do have friends who are Trump supporters. And so I don't view Trump supporters as the enemy, but I will be very, very disappointed. And uh, as I'm sure, you know, like I, I was four years ago and, and so many of my friends are to have somebody in such a powerful position that is demonstrating values so contrary to my belief system. So um, I think we'll, we'll all see what happens and whoever wins will just have to support and be kind to each other regardless of our political backgrounds and that's that's my that's how I'm hoping to get you know have joy is to continue to um to treat others with kindness and love and respect regardless of their political I, I mean it's just politics it's not uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's some of those things, again, that Trump himself is very racist. And so I think there are times we're going to have to speak up if we, if our value system is totally compromised as far as somebody saying a racist things or, or behaving in a way that is, that, that doesn't jive with our values. But for the most part, the people who are my friends and families are still who they always were. I still love them. And, um, and, you know, yeah, you're, you're go forward. You've thought very carefully about how to carry on. And because you are so grounded in fair mindedness, balance, and kindness, you've been to hear you talk. It sounds like you've really been envisioning practicing kindness across difference, you know, um, and so you're picturing the outcome of the election in terms of, you know, your family, your friends, your neighbors, the, the real life that each of us live in our neighborhoods, um, instead of projecting your thoughts toward, uh, you know, big policy issues that may be out of our control. I mean, yeah. I can if I allow myself, I can get totally ramped up about, uh, you know, policies about the environment and, and global warming and uh, policies about income inequality. You know, I can get hot under the collar if I 
start thinking about these things in an urgent way. And I do see them as urgent, but I cannot experience the urgency in my body in a way that makes any sense because it's urgent across the globe and I have to uh, think big enough, which means you have you can't can't let your unit become so tight and explosive with with the idea. You have to be connected to the bigger world to have an impact. So I guess I'm just uh, riding on your coattails about staying calm and envisioning what's right in your sphere of influence. There was a very interesting blog post I saw right away from Everfy, a company that I do some freelancing for. And it was all about preparing for a civil workplace because, you know, people who see each other every day, work together every day, are going to be working across ideological divides and tough feelings. Yeah. So big challenges out there. It It is. And um, so, you know this, Becky, that I kind of coined this little phrase about the purple lining, which I'm taking to mean finding the good in things that are typically difficult things not to to uh still honor the hard feelings or the sad feelings but find some positive that might come from what what you can do what you can control in your attitude that comes from having to go through something difficult how you can learn and grow for me with um with what you just talked about when it comes to the environment and different policies that I feel very nervous that um, former years of Trump will continue to degrade some of the things that I care a lot about. One positive thing that I have seen is there is a lot more activism in in the environment and in different areas that when something breaks, then I do see huge humanity and people rallying together to try to do what's right, to try to fix what is broken. And sometimes you need an extreme break for people to to stand up and notice and to really do that. So that's one thing that I do think has been positive, um, and I think will continue to which who whichever candidate um, wins. I think that people that feel strongly will, you know, <laughs> I hope they can do together and collaboratively to come up with some solutions. And I think we'll have more chance of that with Biden as president. But uh, yeah, I, you're right, Yvette. I can see that the next four years, regardless of who uh, wins the title, is that we've all had a good course in Protest 101. And there are going to be many things to protest, regardless of who our president is. And we're all going to have to remain very, very active to preserve our, you know, our, our, our American character, our physical world, our climate, our earth, you know, there's just a lot, our fellow beings who are in distress, there's a lot to to do and a lot to protest. So we're all gonna be busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are you saying? What do you think the next steps to, to be joyful in the midst of this political climate might be? Well, as always, counting my blessings, I count my blessings. We are in a country that still does have a democratic process. We still have voting. Uh, we are in a pandemic 
yet we have, you know, we're, we live in a world that has many, a country that has so many resources. We have so much to be grateful for. So that is always my first step for joy. And second is to um, look ahead to how to, how to engage in a way that makes use of my skills or talents or energies and uh, to join up with others with a similar vision. So there's, there's always, I mean, good is around us all the time. And as a yogi, we learn specific techniques for sort of tapping into the higher energies of, of positive vibrations that, you know, on a really good day, those vibrations get up into divinity and holiness. And, you know, there's nothing like a cosmic thrill to give you joy. So, yeah, those are great points. I, I agree with you. I always start with gratitude and recognize that we do have the control within us to to, to control our thoughts and to uh, be mindful and intentional in, in the way we're treating others and to find our tribe and find people that we can work together with a common vision to help make things happen. And I have, I have a challenge for you, Yvette. Oh, I love challenges, you know. Yeah. Um, since you've mentioned that you have a sister who lives in very liberal Southern California, but holds conservative beliefs, um, how will you navigate the next time you all have a, a phone call together? Um, are you going to say how are you, you know how are you feeling? In other words, the the election is sort of an a, a backstory, and I'm I'm curious how you feel about directly addressing it or not addressing it. So that's a yeah, perfect question. question. And I, I will say that that I'm going to say my relationship with my sister has turned out to be another positive growth thing for me over these past four years because we had a lot of difficulty talking about politics uh, when Trump was first elected because of our differences and. Um, over these four years, we, we've been tentative. I mean, we don't really talk, we don't debate it, but I think we do have a deeper understanding of each other's personalities and viewpoints. And I think that that's been really good for me. And it's been, it's definitely been positive for me to not take a stance of automatically feeling like the people that have different opinions or enemies. I mean, again, I love my sister more than anything. She's my best friend. And um, so it has given me, instead of this black and white, that this is this is the right stance and the other one's the wrong stance. I recognize that there's gray. It's hard for me on this one to see the gray, but she helps me with that. And I I do think listening and trying to understand someone that you love that has the other opinion is, is a very helpful uh, exercise for people. It, it, I also feel grateful that I grew up in a conservative home and then married someone who was liberal and have experienced both sides of that spectrum as well. So um, it's really helpful to walk in someone else's shoes and really listen with love and, and not with a preconceived feeling of the other person being an enemy you know you raise a really great point there because in that listening we have to humble ourselves to really be 
respectful listeners. Otherwise, we're just sort of secretly uh, arguing what mm-hmm. the other person is saying, but to really listen and to understand how they're experiencing their world and expressing themselves in it. It's humbling, but in that, in that sort of uh, calm, accepting state, boy, accessing joy becomes that much easier. So being good listeners during yeah. times of conflict is a joy, is a resource for joy. Yeah. I mean, I am reminded that um, Scott McNeely said this about the, the workplace. He said it's easy to um, be happy when things are going well. It's hard to uh, to demonstrate. It really takes care to, to demonstrate happiness. And in this case, maybe we call joy when things are going badly. And I think, again, the same thing. It's easy to love someone or to be very feel very good about someone who agrees with you and is on the same side politically in this case mm-hmm. that you feel like that's your tribe and you bond and then it's easy to together feel the other side is the enemy but if we can kind of open our hearts enough to not have the other side be the enemy but to find love and understanding even if we disagree with the other side, then, you know, that would bring me a lot more peace. And this is, again, the sort of the root of why I'm having such difficulty during this period is because it seems like that divide is growing and there is more animosity for one another. So, um, so I'm hoping that will change. And I I know I'm going to try to do my part, whoever wins to, to really be um, accepting of, of, all political views and and try to understand them. Yeah, accepting of people right. is different than accepting of policies, you know? Yeah. And I think we have a hard time separating that. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Well, Becky, I we have gone a little bit longer than I had planned, but I I know you know that I can talk for a very long time. And so, so can I. So, oh no. I will end this, but uh thank you for 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 being my first guest in season two and actually co-host. So thank you for inviting me, Yvette. This is exciting. I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to every week too. All right. Well, let's hope we get this election settled before next week. Oh, Uh, we didn't talk about how to sign off. Maybe we should do chin chin. (laughs) I say we do carpe diem. Oh, that's it. That's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. One, two, three. Perfect. Yay. Right. Till next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Listeners, we want to hear from you. So perhaps the easiest way is to find Carpe Diem Connections on. Facebook in the Facebook group. Just search for Carpe Diem Connections and come join the discussion. You can also find me at carpediemday.com or email me directly at yvette.francino at gmail.com. See you next week on Carpe Diem Connections. <laughs>